Marie, a dear friend of mine who is now in glory, grew up in Germany during the 1930s and 40s. Her family had very little and struggled to survive. But each year, Marie would have under the Christmas tree a gift, a doll. She would play with that doll, she, would, she told, and it would become dirty, worn, and torn. And then somewhere along about the end of October, that doll would disappear. Then come Christmas morning, when she would go to the Christmas tree, there would be that doll, all clean, repaired, and in pristine condition. Marie's parents didn't have a lot, but they always gave their daughter a great gift for Christmas. Imagine what kind of gifts a loving father can give to his children if he has all the universe at his disposal. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus once again drives home this idea of the economy of the kingdom of God as he asserts that God desires to give good gifts to those of his children. As we saw last week, God considers uh, all of us to be more important than the birds that fly in that God provides for us our food to put on our table. God considers us to be more important than the flowers, even though God clothes all the flower. What can we expect from God but to clothe us as well? In one of the little books toward the end of the New Testament, the book of James, James reminds us that God is the source of all good and complete gifts. That's really good news. The God of the kingdom has the ability and desire to give citizens of his kingdom, what they need. Now, sometimes, you know, God just gives us stuff. I mean, for example, you wake up on a beautiful fall morning, it's a gift from God. And a lot of the things we have, God just kind of dumps them in our laps. God provides for us in so many ways. But there are occasions where God wants us to be engaged in the process of receiving blessings. And Jesus here tells us and encourages us to ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Now, again, that little book I mentioned before, the book of James, James tells us that sometimes we don't have things that we may want or need because we haven't asked God. Now, we understand that, of course, in relationship with others. Uh, if a person you know wants something you have or wants something that you have the ability to obtain and give to that person, but that person never tells you about it, in all likelihood, you probably don't know their desire. It happens all the time in marriages, doesn't it? One spouse expects from another spouse a certain thing, and... That spouse never communicates it with the other spouse, and spouses sometimes expect the other spouse to read the mind. Human beings, we typically aren't great mind readers. Now, God's a lot better than we are, of course. God knows what you're thinking right now, so you better watch what you're thinking, I guess. Uh, 
God knows what your desires are. But yet, there are times when it's important to ask. And it's not because it reveals to God some secret that we have hidden from God. But there's something going on in the asking. That's what I want us to focus on for a few moments. I want you to think for a few moments. Why does God want us to ask? Why these words here in this passage of Scripture? Some of you who've been with us in this sermon series and go back to, uh, I think it was long about September that we began this series, maybe actually began it in August. You remember the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, the first beatitude. And Jesus said, those who are poor in spirit, the kingdom belongs to them. Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit are those who realize and understand that they have need in their lives. The poor in the spirit are those who understand they can't do it on their own. They need help. They need assistance. And, of course, the idea is that that assistance must come from God. The poor in spirit are those who are willing to ask. Now, James, I mentioned James before a couple of times already. James uh, wrote that, that... Sometimes we don't have because when we ask, we ask in the wrong way. Sometimes we ask in the wrong way. Uh, at times it seems as though we, we view God as kind of this divine Santa Claus who we can take to him our want list and just put that want list before God and then God will deliver it on Christmas Day kind of thing. But it seems that there's something more. There's a right way to ask. And Jesus gives us some deeper understanding about asking in the Gospels. He said that whenever we ask, we should do so in prayer, in faith. And if we do, we will receive. Prayer, of course, is more than an asking session from God. Asking is important in prayer, letting our petitions be made known to God. We're encouraged to do that throughout Scripture, by the way. But this as aspect of faith kind of introduces another aspect. It's more than just a confidence that God will deliver what we're asking for, whether that ask is for guidance or for some particular item or some particular provision in our lives. Faith is fundamentally about a relationship with God. Asking in faith is designed to take us deeper into relationship. Jesus said when we ask, if we ask in his name, we will receive. Now, this is much more than just dropping Jesus' name in a prayer to God. You know, in Jesus' name at the end. That's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about praying in such a way that our ask is consistent with who Jesus is. Kind of takes us back to relationship, doesn't it? As we know who Jesus is, we begin to understand Jesus' desires for our lives. And then Jesus said, if we abide in Him and His Word abides in us, then whatever we ask for would be granted. 
And again, this consistency in this relationship with Jesus becomes very important. Here, Jesus' language in the Sermon on the Mount, he takes uh, into consideration the type of asking that we do. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Ask, 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 and it will be given to you. And then he connects it with two other action words, seek and knock. Ask, seek, knock. Why this triad? Are seek and knock merely other words that describe the word ask? Are they kind of metaphors in a sense of the word, of the idea of asking? It's possible, but again, I think Jesus is trying to take us into something a bit deeper. If you ever had a, a child in your life, you've probably had the experience where a child, that child really wanted something. And that child really didn't give up easily. Have you ever had that experience? Anybody ever had that experience? Everyone that's been around a child has probably had that experience. That child just continues seeking until it receives what the child is asking for. Jesus told a parable about a woman who, uh, uh, <clears throat> who really didn't have any resources, had very little standing in her community, and she wanted justice because she had been treated wrongly. But the judge of the community wouldn't grant her justice, but she kept going back time after time after time until she wore out the judge and he gave her justice. She was seeking justice. Now, on the surface here, that may be implied by Jesus' word, ask, seek. Maybe seek is this persistence of asking and seeking after what's being asked for. But again, I think maybe there's something more involved in this message. You see, last week I highlighted in the message that the fulcrum of the Sermon on the Mount are these words, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Same word Jesus uses here. Seek first the kingdom. Seek God's righteousness. This is the heart of pursuit of humans who love God, seeking and striving for that reality that God has for us, seeking the kingdom. Jesus told a wonderful parable about a, a, a pearl merchant who searched far and wide for the finest pearls that he could trade. And one day in his quest and search for fine pearls, he found the perfect pearl. Its size, its quality, no flaw. The color was perfect. And do you know what that pearl merchant did? The pearl merchant sold all of his inventory and purchased that pearl. Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's worth our total and whole investment, seeking and investing our all for that kingdom. 
while it's clear that seeking the kingdom is to be a priority in our life, there is another great pursuit that's critical in our lives. The author of Hebrews wrote about it. He said this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that God exists and that God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Seeking God is our highest pursuit. So when Jesus said, Seek and you shall find, what was He suggesting? The thing that we seek for is the kingdom and the king of the kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but often in my own life, I've been faced with big stuff. Uh, I've needed to make a decision. Maybe in leading the church, there were things I didn't quite understand and was asking for, for God's guidance through those kinds of things. There were, were uh, pressing matters in, 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 in my life, in our home, in our family. And like many of you, I've gone to God asking for God to to provide what is needed or was needed in those given situations. And as so often is the case, the answer didn't come instantly. It didn't come because I knelt down at the altar and prayed, and then as I was kneeling there, there was this kind of divine vision. Sometimes that may happen, but, but it, it usually doesn't. And what I found in those circumstances and situations that as I seek the quest of my search changes and I begin to seek God's reality and I seek God. Uh, when I was a child and youth, uh, it was common uh, to have door-to-door uh, -door salesmen and yes, they were almost all men in those days who would come knocking at our door. Can any of you relate to that experience? They may be selling vacuum cleaners. They may be selling insurance. They may be selling books. They might be selling a variety of items, but they would come knocking on the door. And those salesmen would keep knocking until they found someone that would listen to their sales pitch and hopefully they could make a sale. And I know that my mom must have had written across her forehead, willing to listen, you know, because uh, we had a lot of salesmen that she would invite in. Mom never turned anyone away. Those salesmen were looking for the right door upon upon which to knock so they might make their sale. Jesus said, knock and the door will be opened for you. Knock and the door will be opened for you. There's this connection with knocking, with seeking and asking. Early in my ministry, I gained a perspective of an aspect of knocking that has served me well through the years. Uh, when Patty and I were first married, I served a, a small four-church circuit in the southwest portion of Virginia. When, as it came time for me to graduate, 
uh, I plan to go uh, to Emory University, uh, Candler School of Theology, to do my seminary work. And Pat and I had talked about our plans, and so our plans were that we would move to Atlanta, I would go to school full-time, Patty, who was an educator, planned to apply and hopefully get a job teaching, and we would get by during those days living in Atlanta and then, of course, return to Holston Conference following graduation. Well, we had made our plans, and we had our plans to, to, uh, to go to Atlanta. Patty had a job interview set up. I had appointments with people at school I needed to talk with to cross all my T's and dot all of my I's, and, you know, we were looking for a place to stay and just take care of all those kind of things. And one week before we were to leave, got a telephone call, and it was the district superintendent of this district, Wilmer Robbins. Some of you may have been around and remember Wilmer Robbins. Wilmer said, no, it's actually Jack Horner that was the district superintendent at that time. But he said, uh, he said, Dwight, I understand you're going to school at Candler. Would you be interested in serving a student appointment in this district? And I said, well, I hadn't really planned to. I was planning to move to Atlanta, go to school full-time, and, you know, gave him the story. And he said, well, I, I'd like you to consider it. I, I've got something in mind for you. I said, okay, I, I, I'm willing to listen. So we arranged that after I left Atlanta, Pat and I left Atlanta and were returning home, we would come through Chattanooga and we would check things out and we would see what the district superintendent had in mind. And I met with the district superintendent and he drove us out to the end of East Brainerd Road there at Apison Church. He told us about the church told us about the community, and, of course, it gave his good district superintendent sales pitch. Yes, district superintendents have sales pitches just like everybody else. And so Patty and I hopped in the car, and we headed up Interstate 75 back toward Virginia, and we talked about our experience. And both of us felt as though that during this experience, we had gone about knocking on doors. And when we went to Apison and we knocked on that door, it was as if God opened up that door for us to show us what He wanted in our lives. It was a life-changing experience for us. The church grew remarkably despite their pastor, Dwight. Our three sons were born there, and it became a life-shaping experience for us. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. When you're in a place of need, a decision to be made, direction is needed, knock on all the doors that God places in front of you. Explore the possibilities. And as you do, God has a way of showing what he wants. But during this sermon series, Pastor Jack and I have emphasized that in the kingdom, who we are is central. You see, kingdom living is more than just doing particular things. And even in this lesson today, that same thing, we find the instructions, ask, seek, and knock. But then the next sentence follows 
that says, the one who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door is open. And notice the language. It's about the person. We are to be askers. We are to be seekers. We are to be people who knock on the doors before us. People are the kingdom. People of the kingdom are people who are truly poor in spirit, who live in this lifestyle with God of asking, seeking, and knocking. And it's in that lifestyle. It's not that just we get stuff or we get direction or we have guidance in our lives. It's through that process. We get to know the living God. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for these wonderful words of Jesus. And let us be people who ask, seek, and knock. And in that process, may we come to know our Savior more fully and know our Father intimately and have the Spirit guiding our lives. We give you glory.